1: On World Mental Health Day, we take time to honor those who have struggled with depression, anxiety, and the like. Well, the 2014 Minnesota Teacher of the Year, Tom Rademacher, knows what it's like to have a child who struggled with not only anxiety, but also with the battle of identity. Raising Ollie is the name of the book, and Tom Penned about um, it's called raising, let me get it straight. Raising Ollie uh, is the name of the book that Tom penned about his extraordinary non-binary child Ollie. Raising Ollie book launch is on Tuesday, October 12th at uh, 826 MSP and another uh, event is on Friday 10 15 um, I should say October 15th at 530 pm at next chapter Books. In St Paul, and the tickets are only five dollars, so we encourage you to uh take a look at the book and or either order the book and see what it 's all about. This is the perfect timing here in our nation as well as in our state and in our cities to really talk about this. Welcome, welcome back, sir. It's good to have you join us
0: Oh, it's good to be here, Geraldlyn. Thank you
1: When I was reading about the book, first of all, is this your first book?
0: This is my second.
1: I thought so. The second book. Um, to hear the story, I read read a little bit about it, and uh, I know that you can get it as an ebook as well. Is that correct? Yep. Okay. Um, this is a story that needs to be heard. What have you been hearing so far about the reviews of your book?
0: Well, it just you know it just will come out on Tuesday, so I'm in that really um, fun slash frustrating time when a bunch of people have my book in their hands, but I haven't gotten to hear from a lot of them yet. Um, but so far, you know, like the, it's been really good. It's been really positive. Um, you know, both, you know, I'm a teacher and so a lot of the stories about parenting, but you know, through the lens of someone who's been teaching for 15 years. And so, you know, people say that so far that as, as parents of, you know, either kids that have also had some sort of, um, you know, had, gender expansiveness or, or gender creativity, uh, or who are also, you know, kind of gifted in school or have anxiety that it's been just like a really good, um, kind of look into, you know, another person's life to feel a little bit less alone. And, and, you know, they've said it's, it's been a, a fun and, and, and cool journey to go on with my family, I guess.
1: You know, a lot of people don't know what non-binary means. Can you give them that understanding, please?
0: Sure. So, so Ali from a very, very young age, like really around three or four years old would often tell us that uh, they didn't really feel like a girl. They didn't really feel like a boy. And we just kind of like, okay, great. You can be Ali. That's fine. Um, And then as they got a little bit older, um, you know they they kind of put that language to it and found that um that there was a gender identity that they really loved, which was non binary, so they don't really consider themselves a boy or a girl, and they use instead of using he or she as pronouns, they use they and them as pronouns. Yes,
1: they do. Yes, they do. Um, It's exciting that you, first of all, as a parent, has been so open and welcome to your son, welcoming to who he truly is or she is, right? Um, And so being non-binary in in your family, has that been a real challenge for you?
0: Um, You know, not really. Um, (laughs) Actually, like, you know, um, it's one of those things that... um, once we really made that transition it just sort of fit really well um and it just sort of made a lot of sense and since kind of um kind of owning that identity for themselves like ollie has just been that much more kind of comfortable and confident and and wonderful in the world um so it's been really a very positive thing um you know from some of our maybe more extended family or, or whatever, I think there was some original some original like pushback or questioning or worrying that, you know, oh, well, if Ali says they're non-binary now, like, what happens if in 10 years they decide that they're a girl again? Or what if they decide they're a boy? Like, they were worried that Ali that was making this big kind of permanent shift. And for us, like, that's okay. You know, if Ali if right. decides tomorrow that they're not non-binary anymore. Great. We'll just love and appreciate who they are then. And right now, our job as parents is to love and appreciate who they are now.
1: Amen and amen. Can I just uh, give a little blurb from the book? Um, Because it says here, Raisin Ali, seven-year-old Ali was researching local advanced school programs because every second grader does that, right? I laughed at that one, by the way. Um, Ali, who used to hate weekends because they meant no school, was crying on the way to school almost every day. Sure, there were the slings and arrows of bullies and bad teachers, but maybe worse, Ali, a funny, anxious, smart kid with a thing for choir and art, um, an eye for art, uh, for graphic art, as gravely under-challenged and also struggling with identity and how to live totally as themselves, Ali begged to switch to a new school with kids like me where they wouldn't feel so alone or so bored. And so they made the change that in itself really uh, struck me and it piqued my interest in your book. Um, Knowing that, that this is your son, this is the story that you've written about your son. How is he adjusting to having this book out?
0: Um, So far so good. So like, Ali, as an artist, also contributed some illustrations to the book, which is my favorite, favorite thing about it. So there's about five mm-hmm. drawings in there that Ali did. And, you know, I think as as I was writing it, there was a lot of time that I would talk, sit and talk with them and with Becca, my wife, you know, about the stories that I was putting in or not putting in or how that was going to work. And so by the time we kind of got to... A, you know the, the the calendar of a book moves slower than the calendar of um, young people these days, right? Right. <laughs> so, uh, you know the the book for in a lot of ways has been you know done for nine months or done for ten months or so, and so um, you know kind of like Ollie's more worried about the start of their school year right now and what's going on with that, and they're kind of like, oh yeah, the book, cool, that that'll be fun, like. You know, but it's it's not the biggest deal for them that it's coming out because it feels like quite a while ago.
1: Yeah, I can't imagine. How long have you been writing this book?
0: Um, I think I probably started it about two years ago, um, mm-hmm. and hit a big wall. I think, like a lot of us did, when when kind of the the COVID shutdowns happened, I was like, oh, I'll have this extra time to write, and it actually seemed like my brain was nowhere near being able to write at that point. Um, And so it took a little while to get through, but yeah, it's been, it's been a labor of mine for a couple of years, I guess.
1: So two years, 200 pages, were there a hundred pages you wish you had added?
0: (laughs) Uh, if I got to choose, you know, I, as a writer, I am, I I don't mind telling personal stories about myself and those are certainly in the book. Um, But we made a lot of, a lot of edits as far as what information got shared or what stories got shared about Ollie and about Laura or sorry, I was just reading a thing. So like, well, what stories ended up getting shared? And, you know, I didn't want to share stories about especially Ollie that would maybe be embarrassing in five years or 10 years or stories that were just like their story. Right. So it's stories about me raising them. Um, and I tried to really not speak from kind of their perspective um, too often. So, you know, there's a there's a part of me as a writer that just like wanted to put everything in there. And then there's a part of me as a as dad that didn't want to and that wanted to protect, you know, it's the book that Ollie's going to write in 10 years. It's going to be amazing. You know, I didn't want to touch their material. So um, I'm, I'm really happy with the stories that are in there and what's in there right now. And it, I think that Um, You know, there's a lot more stories that go into the raising of any child. um, But I think that the book as it stands tells a, a pretty honest and good story about what it was to raise this one.
1: You know, it's quite remarkable um, how he has fallen in love with school now. I mean, this is a young man who's quite brilliant. Uh, he's learning to code, uh, 3D model, um, animate, speak Japanese, and finally feel comfortable at school. And that in itself speaks uh, volumes for him and for you and your wife. You know, well done. Um, at the same time, with all of this that is going on, how do you keep up? He, he must be so excited and so happy that he's finding other ways and new things that he wants to explore. How do you guys deal with that?
0: Well, we don't keep up. Um, <laughs> that, that much is very, very sure. Um, you know, I mean, like, Ali's brain, and there's, and there's a lot of kids with brains like this, it just it moves all the time. And it's they are constantly finding things that they are going to find to be interesting, and they get really excited about them. And I don't know how people raised kids like that before the internet existed. So, you know, Ollie might shuffle off to their room and, you know, I'm sitting on my computer, like watching dog videos and like celebrity gossip and just totally burning my brain away. And then Ollie comes out and it's like, oh, well, you've been on screens for a while. Like we should probably do something. They're like, oh yeah, I just, you know, I just learned how to do this like 3D, uh, animation program I was watching a tutorial on it while I was working on it and okay like I didn't even know that was a thing I didn't know there was a thing you could learn and you just right. went and found it and learned it and so they you know our job and this is one of those places that like teaching and parenting really comes together is the, the best things we do a lot of the times is just make space and time for you know for people to do what they want to do
1: your book, um, literally, the the table of contents is all in months, and it starts with April, and I think it ends in uh, the following April, or no, I have that wrong, June, correct?
0: Mm Mm-hmm, yep.
1: Okay, let's talk a little bit about uh, the titles of some of these chapters that really piqued my interest. Um, Of course, the infamous C-word conference. (laughs) You know, a lot of parents have heard that, but tell people what the C-word is.
0: Uh, Well, it's it's just crap. That was it. Uh, And um, it was Becca that said it in a teacher conference. um, And it's that parent-teacher conference that my family now jokes about forever. In fact, whenever Ollie hears anyone say that word, they'll often yell out like teacher conference. Um, Because me and Ollie are in schools and we understand that, you know, for for third grade, like that's a that's a bad word. Um, Becky didn't realize that was a bad word and didn't realize the teacher had given her a look when she said it in the middle of the conference so um, it was just this thing that we ended up like kind of joking about the whole ride home and it's become like one of those inside family jokes that we tell
1: yeah what about the chapter in February called So White
0: Mm. yeah so you know I, I I really didn't want this book to just be a book about how to raise a non-binary kid or how I raise a non-binary kid. You know, I really wanted the book to be about how, what's the story of raising this kid? And for every kid, there's a million different pieces to that. And one of the pieces for us and for Ali is that we're a white family. And so, you know, as someone who personally works very hard to stay like aware of my own whiteness and what that means in the world, mm-hmm. Part of that is understanding my own story and then making sure that my kid understands, you know, their own story and understanding of kind of how race operates in the in the world. And while I was writing this book um, and while we were going through this big year with Ollie, um, you know, transitioning schools and coming out as non-binary and all these things, I switched as a teacher from working um, from right in the middle of Minneapolis to a, a more suburban district that was more predominantly white. And so a lot of those chapters too, is me figuring out kind of how I had to adapt my own teaching uh, to be in that space.
1: And then of course, Marcha says lemonade Mountain Dew and Myth. And I think that really surprised me when I saw that.
0: Yeah. Um, that's my, the chapter that's almost exclusively about uh, specifically white boys and the, the, the chapter title comes from just, like, a joke that one of my friends made once. Uh, we were talking about our own childhood, me in um, kind of rural Wisconsin, him in rural North Dakota, and he was kind of saying, like, white boys exist on a spectrum from Mountain Dew to Mass, um, which is not the most sensitive joke ever. But it became this, like, kind of tag that we use to, you know, like, boys that are acting just kind of dumb or boys who are doing something that might be really damaging. And then lemonade comes in because I teach eighth grade. And so I had eighth graders for a couple of weeks that were decided their thing for that year was going to be to bring in these giant jugs of lemonade every day. And for whatever reason, as a teacher, it just made me lose my mind. And, (laughs) and, and part of this chapter is me reflecting on like, how maybe if I just would have taken a breath <laughs> and for a second and realized it really wasn't that big of a deal, we might not have gone down this whole, you know, rabbit hole of me assuming they were doing something disrespectful or awful because they had lemonade.
1: Yeah, exactly. I understand that completely. Um, does your son take a bus to school?
0: Uh, not right now. No. Okay. Um, so we are. Yeah. You no, know, we drive.
1: You know, I have three grandchildren and my oldest, I just don't want her on the bus. I don't because there's a whole nother conversation, uh, happening and you have sex ed on here and you can get a sex ed uh, lesson from the students on the bus. I will never understand why they put seniors, you know, like (laughs) eighth graders to seniors on a bus with children that are four to seven years old. You know, it's like, how do you do that? Because the conversations are not appropriate for some of the smaller ones. So you do talk about sex ed.
0: Sex ed lesson you want kids to (laughs) get. (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, sir, not at all. So with all of the 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 love and the challenges of writing this book, what was the one thing you learned about yourself that you didn't know?
0: It's a really good question. Um, you know, I think the parts that were maybe the most challenging for me or that brought up the most is um, you know, my my dad died um, a good 10 years before Ali was even born. And so in my head, so the relationship I had with my dad was a very different chapter of my life. I didn't mean to make a book pun, but a very different part of my life than the raising of Ali. And I found as I was writing about Ali, I ended up, all I mean, like all this stuff about my relationship with my dad and losing my dad, all this stuff came up and I found I just, I couldn't talk about being a a father without talking about my father, Um, which was, it really kind of came out of left field and surprised me. And it made me realize just how many lessons I did learn from him and how much of that still carries into my like kind of daily life with my kid. Um, You know, again, even though he has been, he's been gone for now well over a decade.
1: Wow. Well, it's incredible. I think it's a a remarkable story. I do intend to get the book and read it. Uh, It's called Raising Ali, How My Non-Binary Art Nerd Kid Changed Nearly Everything I Know. And it's really a pleasure to talk to you again, Tom. Thank you for joining us. If people want to know where to get this book, where do they go?
0: I think they can go to just about anywhere books get sold. Um, so all the big places have it right now or will on Tuesday. You can order online. Um, again, I'll be at Next Chapter Books on Friday if they want to come there or to A26 MSP on Tuesday night if they want to pick up a copy there and get it signed. Um, I'll be around at both of those places. But, yeah, whatever your, your local, co- or local bookstore you like going to should have copies of it come Tuesday.
1: Tom Rademacher, thank you so much for joining us tonight and giving us this incredible
2: opportunity to get this book. You take care of yourself. Thank you. You too. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too